So it's been eight years since we've been back here. Um, what's striking you guys, Jerry? Well, it doesn't seem like a lot has changed in terms of the building, but I, I guess what it's done is it's just taken me back because, I mean, not only to when we left, but I mean, I kind of grew up here. This is where I first learned to go into ministry and then was here for, you know, 20 some years. So it just, I just got all those memories. Is this a place you remember as your home, your job, your church, your ministry? I mean, there are a lot of facets here for you. Probably the place I remember where I got in trouble. <laughs> okay, keep going. Because <laughs> um. I did. But yeah, to, to answer your question, it's all of the above. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, remember, I grew up here. Some people have heard me refer to this as my playground. I mean, literally, this was my playground as a kid. My friends and I hung out here all the time. Um, I, I, I have literally been in every square inch of this building. Yeah? Um, yeah, I know it inside and out. Um, but it's also, you know, I have great memories of being in a youth group here um, in high school. Uh, this is where, you know, I kind of began ministry. I preached my first sermon in this building. Really? You know? Yeah. Was uh, it in this room or the old oh, auditorium? it was in this room. Really? Yeah. 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 So I want to cycle back to the childhood. Um, any stories or mischief that you probably need to confess and get off your chest, you know, one last time here? I don't know if I need to confess because they're probably all out there. But, uh, oh, let's see. I, I, As a kid, you know, when the custodian would clean, we would try to, this, all, all my stories involve a friend, and we would follow him around and try to sneak around without him being aware that we were there so we would get in the baptistry and on stage that had a curtain and we would peek through the curtain if he was cleaning in the auditorium there were pews back then we would crawl underneath the pews he's vacuuming getting as close as we could um, as a teenager I remember once a, a buddy of mine we shot off hundreds of fireworks in the parking lot and then tore out of here and uh, I think about 10 minutes later, my parents lived next door in the parsonage. The police showed up at their front door and said that a neighbor said somebody had been shot in a church parking lot. <laughs> and I could go on and on and on with wow. stories. This, like, I just, this is where I grew up. So you kind of went away to Germany for a while and came back with a, a goal of really transitioning a traditional church to what we are today. Um, how did you catch a vision for that? And I mean, today, whatever it takes is in our DNA, but it wasn't back then. Yeah, well, when I was hired, I was hired for a couple of reasons. One was to transition the lead pastor role to me, and two was to lead change. We wanted to become a different kind of church, a church that would be focused on reaching people who weren't going to church, who were far from God, um, who had given up on church, that sort of thing. So I was kind of tasked with that when I came on staff. And we spent a number of years doing that. But, I mean, one of the pivotal defining moments for me, for Mike, too, uh, was when we went to a conference at, at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. And um, it, they just called it their church leadership conference. And, I mean, it blew me away. I, I walked out of there, and I was never the same again. And uh, just... Um, they, they gave us a vision for the kind of church we could become where our focus was reaching people who weren't going to church, people far from God. And I, can, I think we both said it. We just walked away from that conference thinking, 
we got to do this. And, you know, if, if we fail trying, so be it. But we got to give this a shot. So, wow. yeah. I remembered um, the, the, one of the last uh, sessions that we had at that conference. And a guy stood up there and, and was saying, like, you know, cautioning most of you. It's like, don't go home and try to do this in your church. And he gave all these reasons why not. And as he was giving those reasons, I was making notes about all the reasons why we could. And the kind of the last one on there was because we had Jerry as our leader that could lead us through that. What were some of the sacrifices? What, what did you have to endure? <laughs> It was much more difficult than I ever imagined. I mean, leading change in general is so hard. And uh, we completely changed the way we did church. Not everyone buys into vision, so that makes it very difficult. And you know, the, many people that you love and care about, that you grew up with, say, no thanks. And, uh, and so there were some painful, painful years with people saying no thanks to that vision. Um, perhaps for me, the most difficult year was probably from 2006 leading into 2007. We were ready to launch into a capital campaign to build our new building. Um, and in 07, I find, found out that a new church was gonna start and a, you know, a number of people from here, over a hundred were gonna leave and start that church. Then we had a high profile staff member who had to resign for difficult reasons. And I remember the Sunday after Thanksgiving, or excuse me, the Sunday after Easter, we were gonna launch into a capital campaign and said, I was standing in front of the church saying, we're hitting the pause button. Um, we're not going to be able to do that. And I still remember what I said that day. Um, Rick Warren talks about a dream. And he said there are six steps to a dream. Um, let me see if I can remember them. The first one's the dream. The second one's a decision. The third one's a delay. The fourth one's difficulty. The fifth one is a dead end. And I remember standing up there that Sunday and thinking we're at a dead end and when you're at the dead end you can't see beyond that and he said the sixth step is deliverance and I stood up there saying those steps and thinking in my head this is what I'm supposed to say but in my heart I'm thinking this isn't going to happen we were literally at a dead end and uh, one of the lowest points for me in ministry and it was a year later that things were changing and God was faithful. I mean, we started to see that deliverance and from that point on, it's amazing what God did. It truly amazed me that we were at the lowest of low in terms of accomplishing with the vision we thought we had. You know, God gave us a vision and we were the farthest we could possibly be away from it at that point. Yeah. And looking back, it's amazing how quickly it did turn around. Right. And that can only be God. Right. That, that can't be us. Well, there were, I think as a church we were low. I think 
individually, as staff we were low. When people left, we took a huge hit financially. That year, 2007, we cut everything. Mike's really good at, if things yes, need is. to be trimmed, he can trim them. Yes. And he was, we were fortunate to have him during that time. I mean, we cut salaries, and I remember thinking, my wife is in nursing school. I had two kids in high school at the time, one other kid at home. We cut salaries that year. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. And I was mowing 20 yards a week in addition to my job and family just to pay the bills. That, that was a rough year. And yet, I look back now and I think God had a purpose in all that. Wow. Not, not only for us as a church, but for me personally as well. People don't realize the personal sacrifice. I mean, this, to a lot of people, is considered your job. But this is your relationship with God. This is your ministry. This is your calling. It, it's deep. And to go as far as changing your lifestyle, mowing lawns on top of this. And it's a job you can't let go of. You can't turn it off at night, can you? No, not at all. Yeah, it's it's 24-7. Yeah. yeah and yet, you know... I think you would say the same thing, Mike. Um, I could not not do this. The double negative was used on purpose. I mean, God had put that in my heart. I remember saying to someone, if I don't do this here, I've got to go be a pastor at a church that does this, meaning our vision to reach people who are far from God. Or even if I'm not a pastor in the future, I got to go to a church like this because God had so cemented that in my heart. Wow. Wow. I mean, honestly, and he was up there thinking, it's like, yeah, I'm saying all these words, but I don't know that, you know, we we can get there or not. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's like this, you know, this is like one of our lowest moments, but this is a message of hope for us at that time. And uh, again, just an example of, of Jerry's leadership and and. Um, uh, yeah, it's, you know, there were a number of us that would follow Jerry anywhere. And, uh, um, you know, he was, he was giving us the message of hope is exactly what we needed to hear at that time. And it was, that was a defining moment uh, for us. And it was amazing that it was about six months. Cause I remember in that six month time frame in there, Jerry come walking into my office and, and is just like, you know, I don't know whether we're going to make it or not in that time where we just took a hit in so many ways. And, but him saying, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, if we're going to go down trying to do what we think God has called us to do, then so be it. And we'll just, we'll figure out where to do this somewhere else. And, uh, and within, within six months, it was like the, it was completely turned around and you almost couldn't tell that we had gone through those uh, deep weeds. So it was amazing. So you can look at all those low points and you know, we've all three of us have talked about this before. Every time we got ready to take a major step, a new initiative related to our vision, something really significant happened that made it really difficult or hard every single time. Every single time. And then, when God was faithful and we overcame that, we'd look back and say, you know what? We're in a better place because of that. Yeah. Was there encouragement along the way? I mean, how, how did the church respond? We, we hear about the, the struggle and, you know, the criticism of the people that left that just didn't see the vision. Any highlights of those that did? 
Yeah, clearly, because another one of those blessings that came out of that difficult time, once all that happened, the people who were left here, and there were only about 300 left at that point, they they had a choice. Do they want to be part of it or not? And they were galvanized to this vision. And so we had 300 of the most committed people you could ask for. And, you know, while we felt small in number at the time, I mean, they were you know, significant volunteers. And so um, I'm sure, you know, many of them who attend the church today are still going, wow, look what God did, you know, because that was one of the other blessings that came out of that. But, you know, even along the way, we began to see, we'd hear stories of life change and people who were coming because, and even before the difficult times, were coming because of our vision. And, um, you know, people were, coming to Christ. We, we did a series called The Purpose Driven Life. This was in the early 2000s. And I remember at the end of that series, we baptized 25 people. And I think that was unheard of for yeah. us as a church. Now, that Sunday, we baptized 25 people. So there were, there were moments where God was affirming the direction we were going sure. along the way as well. Mike, what stands out to you about the teaching in well, this place. I, probably two things come to mind. One is that, you know, I, I was, I actually came to know Christ in this church uh, in 1978. And, and, uh, uh, and so I was, I was discipled here. And I always said, I kind of went to seminary uh, by listening to, to, to Jerry all those years. And then the, the other thing was, um, I don't know how many, I didn't bother to, to try to think up uh, the, calculate the number, but um, you know, it was thousands. Uh, and uh, I remember, you know, once Jerry hobbled on stage uh, because he had, uh, the week before, he had uh, come running down those stairs over there, and, and it, you know, everybody thought his ankle was broken. I guess it was just spring, but uh, it was just like, it was bad. And, uh, you know, that Sunday he hobbled on stage and uh, gave, you know, the, you know, taught that Sunday. I remember another time when he was just, you know, it's just like, he's so sick. It's like, I don't see there's any way that he can answer the bell here. And uh, in 30 years, I don't think I know of one time when he ever said, hey, guys, I can't, you know, I can't do it this morning. Uh, we're going to have to go to plan B. I mean, that's, um, that's just remarkable to think that, that that's the case. Slow. It's a high bar you've set, Jerry. So I've been in quarantine the last six months so I wouldn't get COVID and have to <laughs> miss on a Sunday. I wanted to keep that streak alive. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, streak alive. He's, like, he's like Peyton Manning. He wants to keep it going. Let's keep it going. Um, as we wrap up here, um, one sentence. Finish this sentence. I'm going to go with Mike first. 51 North Brooks. 51 North Brooks, where we're sitting right now, is where? Uh, it's, it's where I came to know Christ. Uh, it's where I was discipled. And it's where uh, we collectively caught the, the vision to be the kind of church that we are today that would really prioritize people that needed a relationship with, with Jesus. And uh, that, I mean, changed the trajectory of my life changed the direct trajectory of uh, this church. Jerry, 51 North Brooks is where a vision was birthed to reach people who are far from God. <laughs>